Well, I uh, believe we're going to start a new series tonight. Let's turn over to John, chapter 2, verse 1. Praise God. John, chapter 2, verse 1. It says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Verse 5, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, there were set uh, there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them to the brim. Aren't you glad for just modern conveniences? Imagine taking 20 or 30 gallon stone uh, these water pots and going and having to fill those things? That's, that's a lot of work. Every time, you know, you're having a party and we're out of drink. Well, go get the stone pots. <laughs> Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and did not know where it had come from, but the servants had drawn the water new, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. This, uh, this beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to, the, to Capernaum, he and his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they, didn't, they did stay there many days. So I want you to go back. This is the first uh, miracle that Jesus did perform. Look at, um, so they ran out of wine. Let's just go back to verse 2, or verse 1. On the wedding day, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. So they're out of wine. Jesus uh, is there. His mother's there. And she says to the people, to the servants there, whatever he says to you, do that. And what I want to get into and talk to you about uh, is hearing from him, hearing from the Lord. Go ahead and turn over to Romans 8, verse 14. We'll go turn over there. Romans 8, verse 14. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are, chil are children of God. 
So verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. In the Common English Bible, it says, uh, or sorry, the New Living Translation, go, let's go there for, first. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. In the Common English Bible, it says, All who are led by God's spirit are God's sons and daughters. You didn't receive a spirit of slavery to lead you back again to fear, but you received a spirit that shows you you are adopted as children. With, his, with this spirit we cry, Abba, Father. The same spirit agrees with our spirit that we are God's children. I want you to notice the first verse there, 14. It says, All who are led by God's spirit are God's sons and daughters. We just read in the New Living Translation. It says, All who are led by His spirit are the children of God. So we can be led by God's spirit as God's children. We should expect to be led by God's Spirit as God's children. Let's go over to John uh, 10, verse 1. Just reading a little scripture and then we'll um, comment. John 10, verse 1. It says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. Now Jesus, Jesus is the good shepherd. The Bible calls him the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd. He is our shepherd. He is giving us a picture of him. And we'll read a little bit more here, but notice verse 3. It says, the sheep hear his voice. Hear the shepherd's voice. In verse 4, it says, The sheep follow him, they know his voice. They will by no means follow a stranger. Verse 7, let's skip to verse 7, it says, Then Jesus said to him again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees again because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. So somebody that just is in it for the money. He doesn't own the sheep. He's not the real shepherd. He's just somebody that's hired. If he gets in trouble, he's like, I'm out of here. This is not worth the six bucks an hour I'm getting. I'm, I'm gone. 
or whatever the minimum wage is now, you know. It's a lot more than that, but. So he said, so the hireling, verse 13, the hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I'm known by my own. Notice he says just several times, the sheep hear my voice. I'm known by my sheep. I know them. Verse 15, as the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. He's talking about the Gentiles there, because he's talking to the Jewish people, and then he's saying there's other sheep. Well, that's us. But notice what he said there. They will hear my voice. Well, he's talking specifically about you and me there. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. So he has seen, said several times here, that my sheep hear me. I'm the good shepherd. Uh, they follow me, they know my voice, I know my sheep. Let's, go, let's just keep reading in verse 22. It says, Now it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I told you, and you do not believe. The works I do in my, fa I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe, because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. He's bold, isn't he? It's like, you're not part of my family. He told them in other times, your father's the devil. That did not bless them. I mean, imagine the most religious people thinking they are next to God himself, and Jesus comes and says, your father's not God. Your father's the devil. I mean, that would tick them off, and it did tick them off. So but you imagine somebody that really thinks they're religious say, you don't know God. You're a son of the devil. Jesus didn't mince word. He was not politically correct. He said, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Notice there, it says it again. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So we just read a number of scriptures here. This was one passage, and then, you know, in Romans, and we may go over some of these things. But I want to go back, and just in saying all this, you see here, he's talking many times. I'm the good shepherd. My sheep hear me. I know my sheep. They follow me. Talking about they know his voice. They can follow the voice, so the sheep can follow the shepherd. And we read in Romans that we are led by the Spirit of God. Children of God are led by the Spirit of God. Now, I want you to just turn real quickly, or just they'll put it up on the screen. We don't have to turn there because we're already there. But John uh, 2, verse 5, can you put up that verse again? John uh, 2, verse 5. It says, His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. So this is the beginning of Jesus' first miracle. So we, we see here, they're out of wine. They come. Uh, Jesus' mother says they're out of wine. And then she says this, 
to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. They, he, the next verse, then, he says, he tells them, and we don't have to go there, you can, you can leave verse 5 up there, but he, he, there's these six water pots of stone, big water pots. He tells them, go fill them up with water. And so then they were filled up with water. We just read they, it was turned into wine. The master of the feast, or I mean the... Um, they said, draw them out and take it some to the master of the feast. And then the master of the feast had tasted the water and made wine. And he came and uh, called the bridegroom and said, man, most people, they set out the good stuff first. And then when everybody's drunk, they put out the stuff that's bad because why waste money? Because nobody's going to taste it anyway because they're drunk. This guy's like, this is the best stuff. You've, you've saved the best to last. So this was quality stuff. This wasn't just, you know, some mistake. This was actual water turned into actual wine. And it happened because Jesus told these people to do something and they did it. And that's what I want to get into. What Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the Lord of all. He's our master. Jesus is the head of the church, not any person. Pastors are under shepherds of the great shepherd. It's his work that we're continuing on this earth. And in our lives, the way we are going to have success, defined by God, godly success, the way we're going to have uh, the right things happening in our life are by doing what He says to do. If we know what God's will is in any situation, first of all, do we believe God knows what we need to do in any situation in our life? Does He know the answer? No matter what, how complicated it looks, no matter how perplexed men are, or women, you know what I'm saying, mankind, uh, no matter how perplexed lawyers are, or doctors are, or whoever, they don't know the answer. God knows exactly what needs to happen. Can we agree on that? Yes. Do we believe that God knows? Yes. It doesn't matter financially what it is. It doesn't matter uh, you know, academically what's going on. It doesn't matter relationally, husband, wife, children, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins, whatever, whatever the situation, children, you know, raising children, um, working with your employer, uh, any situation, who to marry, what uh, state to live in, what job to take, what house to buy, what car to buy, anything. Does God know what you should be doing at your next step? So if we can know then what He knows, about our situation, then we can have success. So a big key about walking out his plan for our life and being successful in our Christian wife or, or a Christian walk is being able to understand what he's saying to us. If we could know what God is telling us at any given time, we got it made. Because we already established God is right, God knows everything, and He knows what we need to do. So then, if we know what He wants us to do and what He's telling us to do, then we can see miracles, just like these people did. Uh, most of us, probably, when they said, 
we're out of wine, our first thought wouldn't it be go get some big pots and fill them with water. <laughs> That's the solution. Probably not a person in here that would be your solution for that problem. You'd think we need, we need money, we gotta go to the store, we got a cart that we're gonna need to tra you know, transport all these huge things from the store. I know they probably didn't have store. I don't know, where do they get the wine? But that was not Jesus' solution to the problem. His solution was, you guys, see those pots over there? Go fill them up with water. And it was the best, it wasn't just a solution, it wasn't a crummy solution, it wasn't like halfway, like, well, we got the job done, I mean, it's kind of wine. Or, hey, it's water, they got something to drink at least. <laughs> hey, we need wine, well, here's some water. A drunk person's going to get ticked at that. If somebody's drunk, get, they think there's wine and it's water, that's going to make people mad. That's not a good solution. I guess it could have been just junky wine, you know, at least it got the job done. Well, we, you know, we can say we had wine. But that's not, when God did it, when Jesus uh, gave the command, it was top notch. It was the best wine. So much they were like, what, you're crazy. I mean, you're, you're spending all this money at the end of the feast? This is the best stuff. You brought out the best stuff at the end. So, so the right thing was done because they did what Jesus told them to do. So he cut through all the stuff, boom, did the right thing. They did what he told them to do, and the, right, the, the, the best solution was accomplished. What was the key? They did what he told them to do. If we do what God tells us to do, we can have similar results. So we need to know what he's saying. And the thing is, we can know what he's saying. He is communicating with us in our life. I mean, how really important is it in the, the big scheme of things to have more wine for that feast? You know, nobody's going to die if they don't have wine. But it, it was something, that was Jesus' first miracle. He took care of that. It was a family event. I mean, you know, a, a, an event with relationships in, in this area. And performed a miracle so that they would have wine. God cares about what we're dealing with. And he has a solution right now to anything that we face. And not just a crummy solution, not just a solution that's going to make a bunch of people mad. He's got a, a solution that will cut through all the stuff and wasn't, wasn't, isn't hard. Not necessarily, you know, it's not that it's everything's easy, but it's not probably, you know, the thing that people would think of. It doesn't always have to be out of the box, but God, no matter what we're facing right now, God, there is a solution that in the mind of God, He knows He doesn't have to guess, He doesn't have to call a bunch of people, He doesn't have to do some trial runs, He knows exactly what needs to happen. Now, so if we can hear Him on a daily basis, we can walk on that path that is the God plan every day. So if we can come to be sensitive and be more sensitive, how many of you think, no matter where you're at, you could be more sensitive to the Spirit of God? I know. We can, I know I could be more sensitive. I know I'm, I'm growing. How many of you think we can learn something about this? 
and that we can come closer to Him. And we can walk in a way that is actually not a secondary, not a shotgun approach to Christianity, but a precision approach where we're actually doing the thing that God is directing us to do in a moment of time. Not just trying a bunch of stuff, not just approaching, well, we kind of think this is the general area and just blasting it, but we come up and we say, God is saying this and this, and we just cut through it and hone in on something, and He's there on the scene because it's exactly what He's telling us to do. If He's telling us to do it, how many of you know it's going to work? It's going to be the right thing. It's going to be, God is not going to tell you something that's going to lead to destruction. He's not going to tell you something that's going to lead to embarrassment. He's not going to tell you something that's going to lead to financial demise. He's not going to tell you something that's going to blow up a relationship. How many of you know, it's easy to think, well, maybe we'll try this and see if this works. Even as a Christian, right? Healing? Well, let's just try this and see if that does it. You know how many people get in trouble? How far you can get in trouble just trying things? Medically speaking, well, this is a new thing. This just came out. Let's try it. You can die that way, right? People do. <laughs> There's some of the people that are the forerunners. You know, not talking about dying, but when I was in college, I probably shouldn't name the place because it's probably national. I don't know. Anyway, it, had a, it was a place, and I never went. But, you know, college, college kids, don't, they, they're, they're usually wanting for money. And, there, and they probably have this in every college town, I don't know. But they did in, in Lincoln, Nebraska, I can tell you that. Where there was this place that was called Blank Labs. And people would go there, they, they, they would run medical trials there. And when people needed money, <laughs> they would like go down. And, you know, seriously, I knew people that were like, I, you know, a little cash. I'm going to go over to this place and I'm going to get involved in a trial. You know, where do you think all the data comes from when you see the commercials and all the, the fast talking at the end of the, the commercial? This could cause, you know, it's a great product, but it could cause blah, 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 blah. You could die. You could go blind. You could, you know, all that fast talking at the end and all the fine print. How do you think they find that stuff out? <laughs> Medical trials. They are running these tests on human beings and seeing what happens to them. And if the upside is better then, you know, all this stuff, and there's a slim chance. I mean, I don't know all that. I don't get involved in how that stuff works. But somebody decides it's good enough. But I had friends. I knew people that would go down, and they'd get so much money. And if it was like a little riskier, if it was a longer trial, you'd get more money. <laughs> they got to wear a patch for so long. You know, some people, they were smoking or something. So then they try out this patch and see if it works or whatever. They had trials like that. They had trials like, you know, just to wear something and see if you break out. All kinds of stuff. Where, you know, and they would look for people that had certain conditions, and then you would run their, try it. Try the product and see, and they get paid for it. So do you think it's a good idea? I mean, so they, stuff has gone through those tests, but you're just another one of the people that could run into some of those side effects. Well, I'll just, I'll just try this prescription. Could work. I'm not telling you to disobey your doctor. I'm saying, again, you got to be led. Does God know what needs to happen in your body exactly? Is he guessing about it? Is he, does he need to run a test? Does he need to say, well, 
there's a 52% chance this will work. But you could go blind, too. I don't know. It could be a side effect. You could, you know, your stomach just drops on the floor. I don't know. We could, all stuff could, kind of stuff could happen. But we'll try it. Michael, here we go. He doesn't have, he knows exactly what needs to happen. So he doesn't have to figure that stuff out. So if we can walk according to what he's saying, then we don't have to just try all this stuff. We don't have to use a shotgun approach to life going, well, I know it's generally over here. Well, I know all these people need to hear about God, so I'm just going to tell them all. That's what people do. There, there's, you know, I'm not knocking anybody, but there's a better way than just blanket telling everybody because some of those people are going to get mad and they're gonna, you're going to be worse off because you're not being led by the Spirit of God. Do you think God, God said go preach the gospel to everybody. He didn't say everybody you meet at the exact time you meet them is the right time to preach the gospel to them. Do we do, I mean, salespeople have more sense than this than to just walk down the street and sell something to everybody that may or may not be in the business, may or not be, may or not be in the market, but they're just, hey, a person, they're breathing, hey. Does that go, does anybody in this room love it when somebody stops you like that, that you have no interest in and tried to shove it, shove it down your throat? If men are more intelligent than that, you don't think the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, who knows at the heart and mind of every person on the face of the earth, He doesn't need to just shotgun it. He knows exactly what the person will hear and not hear and where they're at in life. He knows exactly what's happened to them. He knows their childhood. He knows all their relationships. He knows every religious or faith service they've ever been in. They know, he knows what Bible they've been exposed to. He knows their biases. He knows their fears. He knows exactly how receptive they are to Jesus at any given point. He does not need to come up and just go with some script to try to get somebody saved. Is that what Jesus would do? Did Jesus just go around doing the same thing with everybody? No! Good night! You watch what he did in different areas, different times. He was led by the Spirit of God. He didn't do every healing the same. He, he did the same type of healing, different. Same type of condition. Because he was led by the Spirit of God. He heard from God. How did he know to just... What we need is fill those pots with water. He was led by the Spirit of God. You say, well, he is God. Yeah, but he was operating as a man anointed by the Spirit of God. He was not acting omniscient. He, and you say, how can he do that? He's God. He can do things like that. But we're his children. So we read in Romans, we can hear. We can be led by the Spirit of God. If you're a child of God, you qualify, you can hear God. We can hear God. In real life. Not for some wacky thing. Ooh, I got in my closet and I heard God in this thing that won't matter to anybody about anything. And we never could prove if it was right or wrong because it's just some wacko thing. No, we can hear God for practical things. We need to do this. This is what we need to do. Let me show you an example. This is going to be good. We're going to get into some stuff. Praise God. Anybody going to agree with me that it's going to be good? Yeah. 
this series is going to be good. Acts uh, 8.4, let's turn over there and look at this. <clears throat> Praise God. This has been rolling around for a while, and it, go, it builds on things that we've talked about all year. And uh, I believe God has great things for us. I believe God is setting us up. I mean it. He's been setting us up for things and putting things in place, different uh, parts of what we've, we've, uh, that he's brought to us. And I believe, I mean, it's not, you have to understand, we don't just, I don't just get up and teach stuff because I think, well, this is a good subject, I'll teach it. We, we need, it, I believe we're hearing from God on what to teach, what to uh, emphasize at different times because he's putting things into us to get us ready for what's coming. And I believe this is building on things that we've been covering, and, uh, you know, throughout the year and, and um, in past time. Just, he's getting us positioned. And I'm excited about this. has just been rolling around in me. Uh, specifically, uh, just actually, practically how to walk some of these things out. Acts 8.4. So this, this was uh, showing a revival. It says, Therefore those who, were scattered, uh, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of, the, of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in the city. So there's a, there's a revival. You know, Philip's an evangelist. Biblical example of an evangelist. See what he's preaching Christ, and he's seeing miracles and signs. With an evangelist, uh, somebody that's called an evangelist, you're going to see a lot of that going on. Any person can walk in certain things and, of course, pray for the sick in, in faith and can be used uh, to a degree uh, following the Spirit of God, which is what uh, we'll get into some, and you see examples. But you see this on, in, in Mass. You see he's preaching Christ, and there, are, there is stuff happening. That will follow the, the um, ministry of an evangelist, a true evangelist. So a New Testament evangelist should have these things. And just as an aside, I'm not knocking anybody. There's a lot of people, though, that are called evangelists. They may very well be, but they may not be walking in the fullness of what their, their calling is because a, a New Testament evangelist will have signs and wonders following their ministry on a large scale. It just follows. If somebody just says, I'm an evangelist, but you don't see this, then they either are not walking in it or they're not really an evangelist. A larger scale than just what you would see. Uh, just was somebody that wasn't called that way. Acts 8.26, so there was, that's not my point, but this is setting the stage. There was a, 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 a the last time we see Philip here in verse 8, there is a revival going on, and then we see him next in verse 26. It says, now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. So we don't know how long this was, but the last time we saw him, he's in the middle of a, a, a revival, and the next thing we see is the Spirit of God's, uh, or the angel is, is speaking to him. Now he's speaking to him through an angel here. That's one way I wouldn't, you, we, we're talking about hearing from God. Don't, don't seek hearing from an angel. That happened, you know, a few times in Acts, and it can happen. God can speak to you through an angel, but don't seek an angel to speak to you. That's not the main way God's going to speak to you. The main way is he's going to bear witness to you 
uh, in your spirit, like what we read in Romans. We'll probably get into that more. But um, here he spoke to him uh, through an angel. But notice what he did here. I'm not talking about the method of of him speaking, but notice what happened. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. So, the angel, so God spoke to him and told him what to do. And so he is carrying out that order. He arose and went. That sounds like Jesus saying, Go fill those pots with water. And they filled them. So... Here, the, spirit, or, or the, the angel of the Lord spoke and said, Go down on this road, in verse 27, So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, uh, and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, It was an angel. The spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake the chariot. So it was inside of him, evidently. Go near and, and uh, overtake the chariot. This is direction, is it not? So he is, just get the picture. He, last time we saw him, he is in a revival. And now he's going out to talk to one person in the desert. That's specific. He didn't go talk to everybody. He's going to talk to one person. Why? Because God's telling him to talk to that one person. So the Spirit said, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him, heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and said, Do you understand what, what you are reading? And he said, How can I, or how can I, unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. Now notice, this person was primed for Philip to come up to him. Did God know that? Yes, yes that's why he sent him. Yeah. What if the guy was like, you know, he was just chilling and out for, you know, a desert ride and he was there and Philip comes going, hey, I'm here. And he was like, cool, who are you? <laughs> yeah, what are you doing today? I'm just walking in the desert. What are you doing? Taking a ride. Cool. You know, Jesus, who? I mean, he could have preached to him, but notice this guy was primed. He was looking at Isaiah. He was ready to receive something. The Spirit of God told him, go talk to this person now. How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. Notice that. The guy asked him. He didn't have to shove anything down his throat. He's looking at Isaiah and he said, well, I don't know anything about this. Hey, you want to explain it to me? Are you sick? You know, it's like saying sick him to a dog. Evangelist saying, do you want me to explain the Christ? Hey. So at that place in the scripture he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before his shearer is silent. He, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch ans answered Philip and said, I ask you of whom does the prophet say this of himself or, or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Somebody said once, an evangelist can talk, start at any scripture in the Bible and they'll end up with Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> you give them any scripture, they'll take it and they'll, they'll start moving. 
So he opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? You see how this is going? Why? Because this was the right place at the right time. And the spirit of God was doing this. Uh, Philip is just the vessel. He is yielding to the ministry of God at this point. He is hearing God. And he is doing what God said. Well, we already said, that's going to work. He didn't have to bump up against 99 people and, oh, finally got one to listen to Jesus. Glory to God. I got somebody saved today. I, went, you know, I knocked on 100 doors, but there's nothing wrong with knocking on a door. We need to be led on which door to knock on. Why shouldn't we? We're spirit-led people. We ought to know, and this is why we're talking about this, what to do based on what God is telling us to do, not on strategies that are, that are uh, created by people that don't believe they can be led by the Spirit of God and are just using percentage. Why do we have to do that? Well, I'm going to go just try to pray for a bunch of people. I'll just go, everybody I say, I'm going to preach healing to them, and I'm just going to lay hands because I have that authority. What if they don't care about what you're saying? They think you're a loon and they're not going to listen to anything because you're not actually being led. You're just trying to do it in the flesh out of works or out of guilt. You know, people preach the gospel out of guilt. You realize that, right? There are actually people that believe and have been mistaught. They believe everybody's blood's on their hands. If they walk by somebody and don't preach the gospel to them, then that, you know, they tell stories like this. This person is going to, if they were in hell, they're going to cry out when you're in heaven. They're going to say, why didn't you tell me? People say that kind of stuff. So every person, they're going by, they're like, oh my gosh, I don't want this person not, oh, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Oh, do you know, and they're just being annoying. Now, I'm not trying to knock people, but it's in the flesh. It's not listening to the Spirit of God. It is just trying to get it done, and it's actually selfish. It's not because of this person that I want to get you saved. It's because I'm guilty. I, I don't. Now, you got to understand, if, some, if God, the Spirit of God, told you, and you knew to recognize, you know, we're getting into this, you knew that it was Him, and you didn't go tell Him. That's a different thing. You're accountable to do what God tells you to do and what you can hear and understand. God knows what you understand and what you hear. There's things that the Word says that you and I have not understood yet. And you're not accountable for it. To put it into practice, when, when you understand certain things, God knows you understand, you understand, now you better start putting it into practice because you're accountable. Isn't that the way it is with children? You don't hold a, a two-year-old accountable to what you hold a 16-year-old accountable to for, do you? They don't know certain things, and they, sh they get more accountable as they grow up, right? You know, some people hear a, a story about some person that's been walking with God for 50 years, and God told them to go do something, they didn't do it, and they feel, they're like, God, forgive me. And then they, they start, and they're, they're trying to apply that to their life and going, oh my gosh, God's going to be on my case about it. If God's not telling you specifically about something, you're not accountable for every person you pass on the street for their salvation? Are you kidding me? Your shoulders are not that big. Jesus died for them. You don't know where they're at and all the decisions they've made prior. 
there's one person that was telling the story, um, I believe, you know, at healing school, but they, they were trying to minister to, cer- to a certain person, and they weren't having success in ministering to them and feeling the weight of it because they weren't, the, the person wasn't receiving, and they were feeling like it was all them, and God finally just made it clear to them, you don't know everything that they've done before they arrived in healing school. You don't know all the things they rejected and what they weren't listening to and how they turned their back on what I told them to do over and over. You're not responsible to get them healed. They need to receive certain things and you don't know the history. We are one witness at one point in time. Does that mean we just shut up and tell nobody? No, we ought to be led on how we do it. If we're led, then it's the Spirit of God doing it through us. Uh, They still have a choice to receive, but you can bet on this. It will be the right thing to say, and God may be giving them a chance, and they may reject it, but it was the right thing, and it will be... It will have the, the, the it won't, doesn't mean that you're going to have 100% everybody receiving, but you did the right thing and they received and the mission was accomplished. That's a lot different than you just doing it based on your head and you're just going to blanket this area because after all, everybody needs to know about Jesus. They do, but God's not in the dark about when and how. He's not guessing. Precision. So, verse 36, the eunuch said, See, here is the water. What hinders me from being baptized? Verse 37, then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered, said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more. And notice that. That's in the Bible. That's not, you know, superhero movie. That is not uh, science fiction. Verse 39, read it again. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. That's translation. That's in the Bible, and it's in the Bible more than once. People moving from one point on the earth to another like that. That's not fiction. That's, we just read the Word of God. It's possible. How? I don't know. Don't have to know. When people say, well, that's, certain things are impossible. We don't know everything. Anybody on the earth right now? I'm not aware. You guys aware of any projects? Maybe in, behind closed doors, but anybody aware of anything public where somebody can do this? Does science know how to do this as far as we know? Well, they could, like I said, behind the door, but is it public? Is it a commercial product? Be useful. Hey, don't have to go through all this traffic. I'd like to get me one of those things. Boop, in the office. Boop, in my living room. And on the way, just pulled the clothes out of my dresser and I'm sitting in my jammies. I mean, if you could translate 30 miles, I don't think it's a stretch that you could just change clothes on the way. Seriously, I mean, that's like the easy part. So we don't know anyway. That's a side thing. That's not the point. 
Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went away rejoicing. So the guy's like, I don't care if I can't see him. I'm just praising God. But Philip was found, I don't know how to say that, Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So Philip went on a special mission led by the Spirit of God, Pinpoint precision. He came in, he did the job, and he was translated out. Sounds like a secret agent. Huh? Target located. Going up to the chariot. Go up, talk to him, boom. Guy gets born again, and he's translated out, goes on to the next mission. Spirit of God led. Our life could be like that can be where we, I'm not saying we're going to go in the desert and chair, you know, talk to somebody and chair it, but we can know what to do and just do it what God is telling us to do. God wants to speak to us and we can hear him. And we can, we can perform ministry this way. Amen. I'm excited about it. As a church, we don't have to just shotgun everything, we can be led by the Spirit of God. So when we're talking, somebody's prompting, God's prompting us to talk to someone, we talk to them, and boom, it's exactly what they need to hear. It's exactly what they need. We can minister to them because God is ministering to them. We can, go, we can come up. We can all learn, and we can walk the way the New Testament church walked. Amen? Let's pray.